kind of get into this sermon today, and um, we're taking a little break from our Image of God series. I just, I felt led this week to shift, to pivot the message, which I don't often do. I mean, you go to some churches and like every week the pastor might be like, God woke me up at 5 a.m. with a different sermon. That's not really how, like, I, I'm, I'm not always having that experience, but um, we're in an 18-month series in the Gospel of John right now, uh, which has been amazing, and we're not done with it yet. We'll finish it uh, next spring of 23. But I just felt, even in light of us doing this week of 24-7 prayer, we've got the, the prayer room is still uh, visible over here. The curtains have been drawn. There we go. It's my wife, Kirby, back there waving us uh, over towards the prayer. We've got our, our wall of prophetic art that people made this week. We've got stations. It's all still set up, so feel free to peruse after the gathering. Um, but we've just had this, this week of prayer that uh, many of you have participated in, and it's been a rich and fruitful time, um, and I know that I've even experienced uh, God speaking to me and moving in me this week uh, as I've engaged in the ways that I could. And so, uh, I just, yeah, I just felt led to to do something different. And so, the title of this week's message is simply "Teach us how to pray." Teach us how to pray. This is the request of the disciples as they come to Jesus, um, observing. Jesus' life of prayer and intimacy with the Father and acknowledging that they need help in this area if they're going to walk in the ways of their teacher, their rabbi, as they knew him. And so we're going to be in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the passages in the Gospels where Jesus uh, gives us the famous Lord's Prayer. So we're going to read in the NIV the words of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. We'll read that passage in the message in a moment as well. So you can turn there or I'll read it off the screen for us if you guys are ready. Everybody ready? Yeah. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, let's read the, the whole passage now in the message that'll be on the next slide. This is uh, some of the passage leading up to the actual prayer and then a few verses afterwards as well. And when you come before God, Jesus is the beginning of Jesus' discourse on prayer and the Sermon on the Mount and the message. When you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. I love that. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. I think that's an invitation for a lot of us in the room today and, and those watching online or who will hear this later to, to just be there before God as simply and honestly as you can manage. And maybe simply and honestly for you means you going, man, I, don't, I haven't been here in a while, <laughs> but I'm here. Maybe simply and honestly for you means I feel some measure of shame. 
yet I'm coming before God. Maybe simply and honestly means you feel some, uh, you feel like an imposter. You're going, I don't really know what I'm doing. But I'm here simply and honestly. Maybe there's some doubt that you're coming into the presence of God with. Simply and honestly means I am co- I'm here and I don't even know if I believe this. <laughs> or I don't know if I believe it with all of me. But I'm, I'm coming here, simply and honestly. Maybe there's some degree of worry or anxiety, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and you're going, I want to trust God, but I, I almost feel like I, I, I've got this hang up with prayer because I don't know how to engage with God in prayer because I realize that I don't actually trust him. <laughs> and I'm worried about all these things in my life, simply and honestly. I'm just going to be here. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus, I love this, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Next slide. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Here's the Lord's prayer in the message. Our father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. And the final verse from this passage. In prayer, there's no, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God. This is interesting. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. The, the, um, the thing, I guess the idea, the message that's been in my heart these past few days coming into this morning is um, there's just, I think there's an invitation into intimacy with God. That Jesus is extending to all of humanity, all of, all of us through this passage, through his life, through his teachings. Um, and I believe this is an, an invitation that's um, relevant to our church in this time as well. I, f- I feel it being extended to me in this time. An invitation to intimacy with God. Simply the, the, the idea of just saying, I don't know, um, I'm no expert in all these various prayer practices. I'm no monk, I'm no priest, I'm no pastor, whatever you might say, but I, I want God. I actually want God. In the, or, or maybe you're just going, I, I, I sense something, but I've got, I've got maybe just as many barriers to entry to a life of prayer as I do desire to enter into that. What I find and what I think we find when we actually just show up, just get there and say, okay, God, here I am, simply and honestly, is the, the voice of the Father graciously saying, this is all I wanted. I just want you. I just, 
I just want you here. And I want to give you what you need, some of what you want. <laughs> That's sort of how parenting works, right? I have a three-year-old. I want to give her some of what she wants. <laughs> if I gave her everything she wanted all the time, I don't think I'd be a good parent. And I think God wants to shape our desires into his desires. He wants to grow us and to mature us. But the invitation is to come before him, before our father as a child. The other phrase that's been in my heart is the call to develop a love for God in the presence of God. I think this is the invitation, truly the invitation of the Christian life is to develop a love for God in the presence of God. And there's all sorts of stuff. There's all, there's all sorts of outworkings of our faith that we're called to live out into the world, to live on mission, to live with a purpose. To, what about loving our neighbor, Rob? Isn't that what the Christian life is about? Yes, yes. That is the, that is the re- representation of love for God and the presence of God lived out in the world. But you know what? There's a lot of people actually trying to figure out and do their version of loving your neighbor without having anything to do with God or Jesus. Right? There are all sorts of causes in the world that we can give ourselves to, that, many of which are great, good things. And even the ones that maybe aren't so great probably have good intentions. We, we're all well aware of the need in the world around us. We're all well aware of the brokenness in the, the society and in the systems and even in our own lives. We're all well aware of what isn't as it should be. But at the core of a life of following Jesus, the, the Christian life is developing a love for God in the presence of God. Without that, it's kind of all theory. Like this, this thing is just a podcast you listen to. You know? It's just something we talk about. The invitation is to show up, I love that I've got a, a um, little soundtrack going. <laughs> to show up as simply and honestly as we can. Uh, Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount in the next uh, chapter, or later on in that chapter, starting in verse 25, talking about uh, money, treasures, possessions, and worry and the way we relate to that stuff. I just want to read this passage because I, I, you, we see the, the sort of stream of consciousness Jesus is teaching. He's moving from, from prayer and there's this surrender element of surrender and trust for God in the way he's teaching us to pray. And then he's, he's getting, he starts to speak to the real things of our lives. He says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will, have, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's this, and I mean, gosh, this is one of those passages that you can read it and go, 
Easier said than done. Great. Sounds great. Sounds great in a sermon. Sounds great through a microphone. But how do I actually relate to this? I've got real problems in my life. I have real troubles. I have real things that I need to figure out. I have, I got responsibilities. And so there's this tension that we find ourselves in. There's a story in in Luke 10, we won't have it on the screen, but it, it involves some characters we've been getting to know a little bit in the Gospel of John these two sisters, Martha and Mary. And, and this is interesting that in Luke 10, I'm going to turn there. Luke, Luke's telling of Jesus' teaching of how to pray actually comes right after this story is shared. So where Matthew shows it in the, the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, Luke uh, tells it a little bit differently. But in Luke 10... Verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Mary, these are the sisters of Lazarus, who we just, over the past few weeks, have read the story of the the account leading up to his resurrection, the moment of his resurrection, uh, last week, Caroline preached a, a brilliant sermon about that that I think many of us are probably still processing, processing and applying. And uh, Kirby is going to preach next week about the story of, oh, come on, of, of Mary, this same Mary pouring out her, this precious oil uh, as a, an act of worship to Jesus, which is alluded to in, in one of the chapters we were just in, in John. And so here's these characters showing up in Luke, and we've, we see a little bit more of their, um, their way they are orienting around Jesus, but I think probably also just their orientation to life. And you've got, you've got Martha, who is the responsible one. She's the one who's taking care of the preparations that need to be made. She's the one who's like, without Martha, like you might have a good time, but you might go to jail, right? If you don't pay your taxes or whatever. Like, like Martha's the one making sure that the mortgage gets paid, okay? Martha's the one making sure like, yeah, this is great. It's, I don't know if like maybe there's any families in here and your parenting roles is like one's a Martha, one's a Mary. Like, oh, you get to have fun with the kids while I make sure the dinner's on the table. I don't know. I'm not trying to speak into your dynamic at all, but but you, we, we see this this uh, this kind of spectrum. There's this tension between there's a lot that needs to get done. I'm trying to do it for you, Jesus, and then this this Mary who seems to be neglecting the things that need to get done to simply enjoy the presence of Jesus and. I don't know about you, the, the older I get, the more responsibilities I have in my life, the more I like, actually really sympathize with Martha. I think when I was younger, I was like, man, Martha, geez, come on, get it together. And now I'm like, God, Mary is, I mean, I would be pretty frustrated, I think, you know? Like there's, we've got some, the, the, things get more and more practical. I've got two kids, we've got like, you know, it's just stuff to, t- I've got a job, like we've got stuff to do to take care of. I can't just spend all my time just hanging around on the, on the living room floor. 
I'm picturing it like this is the living room floor, and Martha's in there cooking dinner. Like that's I've got we got the kitchen and the living room. That's sort of the the picture in my mind of these two, and uh, and so there's this there's this tension in the in. I've been thinking about it this way. It's like the tension between worry and wonder. And, and maybe worry is not even the right word for it, but they alliterate, and so I said it. But there's the, there's the doing, the responsible activity that must take place, and then there's the invitation to just get swept up in wonder. And... I don't know that the goal is to just ditch all your responsibilities and be some spiritual nomad who's enjoying the presence of Jesus, but you, no one can really pin you down in life. Like, my kids need me to be on time to stuff, right? My kids need me to, like, cook, get dinner, need us, my wife and I, to, like, make sure they eat on time, get to bed on time. Get up on time. They need us to make sure that the bills are paid. They need us. They need me to be on time for work so I can keep my job. Like, they need that, right? And so I, it's, it, the goal is not just to ditch all of the, the, the responsible, practical life to get swept up into this, like, I'm just living in the clouds. I'm living in heaven, right? My kids need me to be on earth. The people that God's entrusted me to me in my life need me to be on earth, right? But I think the invitation is to, to, to somehow learn how to live feet on the ground and like heart in the heavens. And, and it's, it is a hard tension to manage. Often it's a time management thing, actually. Say, I'm going to carve out time. I'm going to find time to pray. I'm going to find time to be alone with God. I'm going to find time to do the thing that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, go get alone and show up honestly. And over and over again, he applauds Mary in the simple activity of Mary and the people like Mary around him who are, who get it. They realize that, oh, actually, this isn't this moment that where Jesus just showed up at my house. It's not just a regular moment, and so I'm going to give myself fully to it. There's, a, I think, there's a, 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 an instinct God wants us to grow. We recognize the holiness of a particular moment, and we say, "Okay, you know what? I'm laying down the thing, all the stuff that needs to get done right now. I'm actually going to put that down and give myself to this moment." Can you sense the holiness of a moment? Can you sense when the presence of God is moving in a, in a particular way? Or even just the holiness of a moment where like you're with friends at dinner and you know that you've got a big meeting at work the next day, but the invitation in that moment is to simply be here. Oh man, there's this is a sacred table that we're at. I'm, I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna, I'm going to um, exercise a discipline of saying, I will choose to worry about that thing later. The thing that I cannot contribute to even by thinking about it here at dinner. <laughs> I'm going to put that over here, and I'm going to simply be here. The moment with your kids, the moment with your spouse, the moment alone on a walk, can I choose to be where I'm at, and not live in the anxiety and worry of what's coming down the road, the uncertainty of tomorrow, 
or the thing that I know that is coming that I've got a sense of dread about. Anybody do that? You're like, yeah, I got to do this thing. And then you, it's like a cloud hanging over your head all day. But then on the, afterward, you're like, that wasn't so bad, actually. I just also had a horrible day because I was thinking about it all day. There's a, there's a maturing that I think God is inviting, inviting us into to be able to choose how we focus our attention, our energy, our thoughts. And the revelation of God through these passages and throughout all of Scripture is, and I think the revelation we get when we do show up in those places of prayer is that God is just really, really good. And he has a lot of grace. And life is more of a gift than we realized. And God is more loving than we realized. And the universe is a better place to be than we realized. And, but we, we often don't get that revelation until we show up. But this is the picture of, of even a life of prayer that Jesus shows. This weekend is uh, my daughter's third birthday. She turned three on Friday. Yeah, Lalia, Lalia Rose. Three years old, she's got, we've got her party this afternoon. We've got many preparations that need to be made. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to tell y'all that, that last night before bed, Kirby and I were just, we got the kids down and then we just decided to, uh, to just fast and pray for the rest of the night, anointed each other with oil <laughs> in the dining room and that before we went to bed. No, we got halfway through making a balloon arch at 10 o'clock last night. My fingers hurt. That's where I'm at. Anybody ever made a balloon arch? You'd swear you... Yeah, it, it sucks is what... Yeah. You ever make a balloon arch and you swear I'll never do that again until the next year for your kid's birthday when you're doing it again. So that's what we're doing. We got more stuff to do. I mean, we've got preparations that we just decided... We're like, last night, we're like, we just won't do that, actually. We don't have time or energy to do that one. Let's make the list, start striking things off. What's the easier version of that that we can do? She's three. She won't know. She will not know the difference. But it's a fairy party. It's going to be sick. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Sickest fairy party. <laughs> She's pumped, too. I mean, and she knows. Actually, it's something so cool. You would think that she'd be like, I want my fairy party for like a week. Yesterday, I was getting her out of bed. I was like, I was like Lolly, it's your still your birthday weekend, you know, are you, you going to have your birthday party? And she said, she said, not yet. We're going to have a fairy party. She's like, not yet though. We're waiting. There's, I mean, I am her father and I want to say I want good for her is such an understatement. I, with every fiber of my being, like somehow my existence has been transformed into, I simply just, I, I, want is, the, is not strong enough of a word. I don't know what word is better. I, I want good for her life and for Waverly, my one-year-old daughter's life. I want good for them more than I want food for myself, more than I want more than I want to live, I want them to live well. And to have the li all the life that is possible for them. I want them to be happy and healthy. I want them to have what they need. I want them to have what they want. I want them to grow and mature and be, not so that they can 
make a difference in the world. I used to think that when I was like 22, I was like, man, we're going to have kids and they're going to be world changers. I don't care about my kids changing the world. Are you kidding me? I really don't. I really don't. And maybe you're like, you should care about that. I actually don't. <laughs> and they probably won't change the world. I prob- I'm not going to change the world. Like, you're probably not going to change the world. Uh, this is n- Sorry, this sermon is going a different direction. <laughs> I thought it was all of our job to individually change the world when I was like 22 years old. And I just realized now, like, nah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but I can... <laughs> I can be a person who grows in my understanding of what it means to be a human who loves God and is loved by God. And I can let that positively impact the people around me. And through the work that God has given me to do with my hands and my time, I can make a positive impact in the world around me. And in that sense, we do change the world, right? But that's not even the point. It's really not. I think the point is to develop a love for God in the presence of God and discover that it's all such a gift. And that actually is such a counterintuitive way of existence in the world that we're living in that it actually does, as a byproduct, make a big difference in the world around us. But if you try to change the world, I don't think you will. If your whole point, I mean, there's a lot of ego in in a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in the church for a long time. And maybe, maybe it's just a lot simpler than that. I mean, Jesus did not talk to Mary about leveraging her intimacy with him to go change the world. He seemed to congratulate her for simply getting it right where she was at. It's just about knowing him. And, and like I said earlier, we all know the, the, there's a lot of stuff in the world that's not as it could be, not as it should be. Turn the news on, turn the news off, get on social media. Like we're in it. We're, we're all living in it. And I don't know about you. I mean, I have explored like a lot of the ways that as a society, we can try to impact the things around us for good, political movements and social movements. And I mean, I've gone, I, you know, I've, I've truly, really, I, I've gone on a journey over the past decade of my life. And it's, it's been theological, it's been philosophical, it's been social, it's been like, I, I've explored a lot of it. And I actually am at a point in my life where I'm just kind of back at loving God. Not that that went away, but just back to the simplicity of that. Just loving God. Growing in goodness and giving, receiving freely, giving freely, and living in love. I know that's very fluffy and vague, but that's actually what I see Jesus calling us to. That's what we're calling ourselves to as a church. And some, in the way Jesus is teaching us to pray. It's an act of trust that actually surrenders our need for control. 
you and I, we, want to contr- we actually want to control the world. We want to bend the world to our will or the version of, of reality that we think is best. And that's so often, I think, what energizes a lot of our political arguments and social, and I'm not, this is not meant to be a political sermon, whatever. Well, let's get under the surface here. And Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, pray for my kingdom to come. Which to me says, pray for God to do what God can and knows to do that is beyond what I can and know what should be done. And so there's a, one of the prayer prompts we actually had in the, in the prayer room this week was about praying the Lord's Prayer. And, and uh, there were little sheets of paper out there. And, um, and one, of the, one of the questions was, just, what areas of your life right now can you pray the kingdom of God in and the will of God? A situation that you know is messed up, a conflict, a relational issue, a financial uh, need, a, a situation at work, a situation between people that you know, and you're, you're like, I don't want to insert myself, but this is jacked up, this thing is going on over here. How do I, what do I do? I feel it. I feel burdened by it. What do we do with our burdens? What do we do with our work? Like, it's natural to be, it's good actually to be worried about some of the things in the world, to care. It just means you care, Right? What am I doing with my anxiety? Because we all have it. And the, the invitation is to ask our Father to bring about his kingdom and his will on earth as it is in heaven, to provide our daily needs, to forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, one of the things I did in the prayer room this week was just forgive people that I've already forgiven. <laughs> Anybody? I sat down, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I need to forgive that person. Like, that's the thing that happens when you sit down to pray, right? You go, oh, oh, man, all right. This old, this old dog and pony show again. I thought I'd dealt with that, but apparently not. Saw them and felt things. Okay. <laughs> just me? Is this just me? Anybody been trespassed against by anyone in the world? Jesus says, how do you deal with that? You forgive them and also acknowledge I've done the same and so I need to, I need to be forgiven too. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. It's a surrender. And so often I think we get the initial taste of the goodness and the presence of God and what it means to just be in that merry state before Jesus. And then life is complicated though and, the, and, and we start to wrestle with all the other stuff. And so often the flow of grace in our lives, our experience of it at least, gets kind of clogged up and Jesus is saying, you need to surrender to me again. You need to surrender by, uh, by forgiving some people. You need to surrender by humbling yourself and acknowledging, I actually don't know what's best for the world. We live in an age where everyone thinks they know what's best for the world. You know this? You recognize this? I find myself in conversations with people and I'm like, how do you know everything? You know all of that? That's incredible. You know everything. I didn't know that. It's amazing. Somehow this person had time in their busy life to research everything on Google. They know everything. 
they should just be president. They should be in charge. They should be the king of the or queen of the universe, and it'll all be good, right? Because then, because there's this desire to have it all figured out, and and it's a, it's because we know that things are chaotic. We know that things are out of control, and so the human nature is to want control, and for things to be under control. But the Christian life is to surrender to the king of the universe, believing that he actually knows what's best. And that when we look at the arc, the narrative arc throughout all of scriptures, we see like things aren't less chaotic just because God is moving. But somehow the, the story is moving towards redemption and, and all things being made right and coming under the authority, authority of his kingdom. So we're taught to pray that. And it begins with us. I want to surrender my desires, my thoughts, my anxieties, my worries, my concerns to him. And the tension so often practically is between worry and wonder. Am I speaking to anybody? Am I okay right now? This was a pivot sermon, y'all. This was a pivot this week. So, I mean, I just need to know, is it working? Are we doing something? I feel good about it. I feel it. Yeah, great. Okay, finally, Matthew 7. I'll be done. Band can come up. Matthew 7. Serious, the band can come up. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Jesus says in the same in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. He's saying, hey, do you trust that your father is good? Just come to him then. Just come. Just come on in. We spend all this energy trying to work it all out, out on the outside, when the invitation is just to come in. And that doesn't mean there isn't work to do. There's always work to do. You have a purpose in this life. You have a a vocation God has for you. There is work for you to do with your hands and your time and your life that does contribute to the coming kingdom of God in our world. But the only way that you and I are going to healthily and enjoyably participate in God's healing work in the world is if we trust him to be a good father and we surrender to what that looks like in our own lives. And my daughter, three years old, we were going to take her to this little mom and pop toy store in our neighborhood. We met the owners. We were like, oh, let's support local business. She wanted to go to the piggy store, though, for her birthday, which is Target. Because she got a piggy toy there one time. That's the piggy store. So I hate to say it, the big box corporate monster won over mom and pop. That's where we went. She picked out two bluey stuffed animals, a bluey and a bingo for all the parents out there. You know what I'm talking about. And she also, the one thing she wanted in addition to that was an Elmo potty training book. It turns out it was the one thing she needed. God provided. She's, we're actively potty training her right now. Which when you're potty training a child, you know, the diaper is the bathroom. And then you want the potty to become the bathroom. But sometime in between those two things, the world is the bathroom. That's the way potty training works. But he provided the ram in the thicket of the Elmo potty training book. Just ask. This is a, this is, you like this, babe? Am I doing good? 
You're doing great. Music to this funny thing you're saying. Kind of feels right. Why don't we stand up? Hey, come on. Let's just ask. Just come before him. All the questions, all the doubts, all the self-consciousness you feel about, am I doing it right? Am I praying right? Is this God's will? Is it not God's will? It's just, oh, simply, honestly, come before him. Lord, you know what I need. Father, you're, I believe you're good. Oh, and more than, more than the bill to be paid, it turns out what my soul longs for is to feel and experience the grace and love of your presence. And so would you do that now? Would you give me what I actually need and actually want that's beyond what I thought I needed and wanted while I trust you to provide for everything else as well. Lord, we say yes, yes, yes to you. We yield to you. We surrender to you. We trust you. We invite you into our lives and we accept your invitation to begin developing a love for you in your presence that that would actually inform and transform every part of our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.